Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in a variety of experts to help all writers incorporate more authentic cops, crime, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, the writing team known as Imogen Keeley stepped into the interrogation room to answer a few questions about their writing, craft, and their co-writing partnership. The team is comprised of American screenwriter Darby Keeley and British novelist and television director Imogen Robertson. Their first effort together is entitled Liberation, and it details a part of the story of real-life World War II hero Nancy Wake. Darby and his producer first found Ms. Wake's story, and he composed a screenplay that is currently being adapted into a feature film by Academy Award winner Anne Hathaway. In addition to discussing craft elements essential to screenwriting and concise creative works, our conversation touched on a number of topics relevant to every novelist who wants to turn their words into market success. For me, this was probably the most informative episode of this podcast, and you might notice my bias for Nancy and her story. Uh, welcome to Writers on the Beat. I am so grateful to both of you for being here and making time to, to share your thoughts and your expertise with the rest of us as, as we're all still making our respective ways up the mountain. It's great to be here. Yeah, likewise. Now, I, I'm reading Liberation now, and your writing, I'll just say collectively, your writing uh, absolutely sucked me into this historical fiction right from the first sentence, not the first page or the first paragraph, but right from that first sentence, you really did a fantastic job of getting me uh, pulled into the story. Great. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, that's um, you know, it's always the challenge with uh, any historical fiction is try and, you know, make sure you can you can bring the reader in straight away and uh, you know try and give as much impact as possible straight away and let people find their own way around the world after that now, thrillers in uh inherently require you know movement tension and and conflict in the story especially in the opening when you're trying to you know establish that hook right and you've really entrusted the reader here to fill in a pretty th- uh, a couple thousand little gaps in this scene, right? But you gave us the the meat of this, uh, the really important portion that we don't get to make up on our own. And our heroine in the story, Nancy, is in immediate danger in occupied France, and the army of the Third Reich is bearing down right on top of her. Uh, Imogen, how, how did you get this opening written, and how did you know when you had the right mix of emotion and information? Well, I think one of the the great things about working with Darby is that, you know, um, the the second I saw the script, that's exactly how Darby was plunging us into the action. So Mm. a lot of the time, just sort of like following his his lead. And I mean, you know, and Darby, again, I I defer to you on this, but for me, I, I think one of the most important things about the tightness of film is don't start late, you know, just start in the middle of things. Yeah, um, I, the, the greatest piece of advice I ever got in uh, grad school when I was studying screenwriting is get into the scene as late as possible and get out as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, screenplays by their very nature can ne- never really be longer than about 110 to 120 pages. Um, unlike a novel. So you mm-hmm. really have to pack as much punch as possible into every single beat of the story. So, and Imogen jump in anytime you want, but um, uh, basically um, my, my manager, I'm, I'm a screenwriter. I live in LA. Uh, 
And my manager and I found this amazing uh, story about, we, we really wanted to tell a story. There's so many World War II stories. Uh, and every single one of them is about men, or almost every single one of them is about men. Certainly all the ones about soldiers are about men. Uh, there's no really great World War II movie about uh, of a woman. So uh, we scoured uh, the internet and eventually found this story about Nancy Wake, who is, you know, we immediately fell in love with her character, um, did a great deal of research. And uh, I, after working on it for some months, produced a script. Um, that script, I don't know if your listeners are familiar, but there's this thing in Hollywood called the blacklist every year. And it's where uh, a bunch of producers and studio executives uh, vote on the best scripts of the year, the best unproduced screenplays of the year. Well, wow. we made it onto that list or I made it onto that list. I guess we, um, and because I made it onto that list completely out of the blue, uh, this really great guy named Ed Wood, who now I believe Imogen, he, he just got promoted. He's like running sphere now, right? Yes, he is indeed. He's, he's doing very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's running Sphere, which is uh, an imprint with Little Brown in London. Okay. And they, Ed was like, hey, I think this might make a really good book. Um, so I really didn't like, I was just like, okay, yeah, by all means, give the script a read. I really did not think anything would come of it at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple weeks later, he got back to me and said, yes, this would make a really good book, and I have the perfect writer for it, and mm -hmm. that was Imogen. So uh, she wrote the book based on my script, basically. So uh, I cannot take credit for the brilliant writing of the book. It really is her. <laughs> so if, however she wants to talk about it from there, I handed it off to her. <laughs> well, I mean, um, uh, so uh, Ed is a, an, an editor that I, I've known in, in London for a while. And, and uh, I, I've written a lot of um, historical fiction and historical crime fiction and just did some co-authoring with uh, Wilbur Smith as well. And so uh, Ed knew of me through that. And he called my agent and said, you know, would, would Imogen be interested in this? And uh, uh, as soon as I read the script. So, I mean, I, I leapt at it because, you know, for all that, that Dob is, uh, you know, being, being nice about me writing the book, the thing was that sort of Nancy as a personality was just mm -hmm. sort of leapt off the page immediately. Yes. And also for me, I mean, one of the things about writing novels, which is really hard is, is, is not so much the, the prose, it's working out that story spine. So, um, in that the screenplay, you, you have everything laid out for you. You have all of these characters, you've got the superb dialogue, you've got the entire structure of the, the whole story there. Um, but because it's a screenplay, you know, you've got, you've, as, as a writer myself, I've got a little bit of room to play, but I just knew from reading that that I wanted to, to, to work on the story. And I knew that I'd get on with Darby, just because yes, I could see professionalism on the page. Yes. Now, Ond, I, I automatically want to take this in like three different simultaneous directions. Here, so. <laughs> well, I, I will say just one other thing. I, I think there, there's very, this is very rare. Ed has uh, in some way pioneered a new sort of interesting, mm -hmm. fascinating business model. I, yes. Usually books get turned into movies. I think very right. rarely yeah. do thus far unproduced scripts get 
turned into books, which I believe, I'm, I'm fairly certain, will now help it uh, get turned into a movie. So Absolutely. Yeah. Now, on, on that note, I, I wanted to lean on your screenwriting expertise um, for what sure. I feel is, is my complete ignorance of the art. And uh, when I write fiction, I kind of have some movie or televised version of the story playing before my mind's eye. And I like to think that that somehow translates into better action sequences and, and more visually rich detail on my pages. But I also think I can defy the laws of physics from time to time. And I'm probably <laughs> wrong on both. Um, to your expertise, what differentiates the craft of screenwriting from composing novels? Well, I've never written a novel, so uh, I couldn't say. But what I can say about screenwriting, I, I've written a number of short stories and I, I love reading novels. Um, the difference to me is that um, movies are a visual medium fundamentally. Like a, a good movie, you should be able to watch with the sound off and know exactly what's happening at every moment in the story. Um, so there's, there's far less interiority to the character. All that interiority has to come through dialogue and action mm -hmm. as opposed to hearing what the person is thinking inside their head or reading, obviously, what the person is thinking inside their head. So uh, to that end, the more you can tell by showing, uh, show don't tell is mm -hmm. the other piece of advice, you know, get in, late and get out early and show don't tell. Um, so the more you can show, uh, the better. And so a really good screenplay is all about economy and visual storytelling as opposed to, you know, that's why like probably some of the greatest novels of all time would make horrible movies because they are so much about the interiority and psychology of the character uh, as opposed to what they're doing. Now, Imogen, with you having made a little bit of history here in taking this this screenplay into a, a novel, what would you like to add onto that topic of of how you made that happen? Well, I think one of the things that's so interesting about the process, other than the fact that I found like that seventy percent of my work was already done, which is always a great start, um, <laughs> is is sort of looking at at uh, the things that did work in a in a film script that obviously were right for a film script, but that you couldn't do in a novel. Mm -hmm. And the, there were a couple of things there. One I think is, is where it, the, a film can lend itself brilliantly to sort of doing um, montages of action, action sequences. Um, when we were looking at turning it into a novel, we had to really look at some of the, those sort of action montages and think how they would work as one scene following another or how to take all of the action and emotional input from um, effect of, of, of a montage um, and bring it into one sort of continuous action sequence that would keep us with Nancy, because mm -hmm. that, that speed of the cut, you can do to a certain extent in prose, but not, not in any way to the same extent. You always needed a little bit more room. So for me, it was very interesting about where you know, you could um, take advantage of the novel. You could you could be closer to Nancy's thoughts in some places, um, but then at other times, you know, you needed to adapt to the limitations of the novel, in that you mm -hmm. couldn't just, you know, look to the next cut, the next cut. You 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 needed to sort of um, find what. And again, this was one of the great things about working with Darby was it's very easy to say, okay, what 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 is what's our core emotional intent in this sort of page and a half of action 
and how can we do that in a, a slightly different action sequence that's going to work in a novel. Now I've had a few different co-author teams on the show and um, the most frequent of those guests, Preston and Child, talk about their creative relationship having a lot of the same similarities as a, as a successful marriage. <laughs> and it really makes makes me kind of wonder, Darby, if if there's any kind of truth to that with with the relationship you two have, given that you had already done so much work, uh, so much research, and and already kind of came into this thing with a finished product. Well, how did you guys resolve any kind of creative differences along the way? Uh, there really weren't any creative. I mean, shockingly, truly, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is not. There really weren't any creative differences. Uh, she. It, Imogen wrote um, like just like a first chapter and the second I read Ed sent it to me and the second I read it, I was like, Oh, she's perfect. Mm -hmm. Run wild. And <laughs> you know, we did, we did like uh, what Imogen, like two rounds of notes, I guess. Two, yeah. You know, she, she expanded upon the script, did an outline. Um, we did some notes on that, but they were very minimal because it was excellent outline. And then mm -hmm. uh, she wrote a draft faster than anyone has ever written a novel in the history of mankind <laughs> really bravo uh and then we did notes on that and then that was it. it it was all i was like really wonderfully surprised by the whole process i mean i think a lot about it where it is mm -hmm. like a marriage is that it's an awful lot to do with respect you know you've got you've right, got to yeah. go into it you know respecting the other person's work and you know, for um, that, th those sorts of elements of those notes, a lot of those times it's me saying, you know, asking questions or it's, it's Darby was sort of saying what he would have done if he could have written a screenplay that was 150 pages, you know, which characters would have been expanded and have a bit more in them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so for me, that was, you know, I was, I was being given, you know, the room to, to to play and expand but also i knew you know what darby was interested in which people darby was interested in giving that that bit more more airtime to so you know it's it's a case of of um yeah going with somebody else's creative mm -hmm. flow and you know sort of jumping into the stream with and then you know you're not fighting currents you know you're not fighting each other and then that leads to a to quite a free and easy sort of exchange of ideas and things so you know it, it wasn't like um one of us was going in with sort of and this must be absolutely <laughs> yes. nobody can never touch this line of my prose you know because yes. we know we're both aiming to make something really cool at the end you mentioned it earlier, Darby, in the research required for this project, and historical fiction tends to require the most authenticity, at least its readers seem to demand the most authenticity of yes. uh, anyone else in the genre. And I wonder what your research process was like for this, and how did you um, go about deliberately crafting Nancy to break so many of the the tropes and the characteristics that you know, we expect of a 1943 woman in France. Well, um, Nancy herself broke so many of those tropes, and I hope that I conveyed that with high fidelity to who she was as a character. Really, it's all mm -hmm. about, she's an amazing, amazing person. I, I really did fall in love with this woman. She's like just the greatest, most brazen, brash, and brilliant woman, and way beyond her time. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1940s. So 
hopefully we just conveyed that accurately. Um, that that's what I can tell you about that. Uh, as for doing research, I mean, we try to get the details as close as possible. But again, I will say, um, Imogen was better at that than I am uh, because I think she has more experience doing it. And really, she did a great job at that. Uh, so uh, that that's really a question for her. I mean, on the, on the research as well, I mean, you know, we've, there's, there's uh, Nancy Wake's um, own autobiography, The White Mouse, which is superb. You know, you can hear talking and she's and that, that biography covers her, her whole life as opposed to just um, uh, the time in France. So of course that's particular focus. And also, you know, there've been um, uh, very good biographies of her done, you know, particularly um, uh, Peter Fitzsimmons's book on Nancy Wake, which is, is superb and extremely well researched. So, you know, we, we, we had those, there are those sorts of, um, uh, there's a number of core texts there. And then for me, it, it's like, because, you know, Darby has that, that whole spine and has, has caught her voice. Mm -hmm. And that gave me kind of um, license to go quite wide in my reading. So, you know, reading a lot about um, the Auvergne region of France, where she was uh, in active service, reading a lot about the Gestapo, mm -hmm. which was obviously less fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, we've got an awful lot of, of other books um, by people who served with Nancy Wake or in other parts of the Special Operations Executive, you know, verbatim accounts and then their own biographies and so on. So there's an awful lot of material that you can then kind of like um, suck in around the edges to, to, mm -hmm. to give you that, that color. Um, because it, like, like Darby said, you know, with, when, when you've got the, the, the screenplay, it's, it's, such a, it's such a visual thing. So one of the things that you have to try and, and bring in obviously um, and as a as a prose writer, as as you as you well know, is is that sort of feeling of of texture, of of sound, of um, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be your own set designer and and, and uh, director as well. And now uh, you have uh, Imogen experienced both you know a very successful career in in writing and also in directing. What do you think of all of those skills was most helpful in in crafting this work? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's funny, and, it, and maybe it's it's one of the reasons that that Darby and I got got on so well, and and why for me, like a, a screenplay is such a a, f a fantastic, you know, um, uh, place to to work uh, mm -hmm. from with a novel is is I I still always even when when I'm writing, you know, one of my you know, 18th century crime things, I, I see them, I sort of direct mm -hmm. them, I think of them in terms of wide shots and close-ups <laughs> and I want to come into scenes late and I, I think about, you know, um, how characters are moving a great deal within within that space. And so, you know, that, that so there's a, there's a similar mindset there, I think. And yeah, I, I, I still find myself, if I'm, if I'm editing somebody, else's work or, or mentoring another writer that I, I ask them a lot about just sort of blocking mm -hmm. and they look at me a bit blankly and I'm saying, <laughs> no, where, where is this person going? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, a little, little bit different vocabulary and different yes. visual skill set. Yeah. And, and just a little bit to add to that. I mean, as I've grown as a screenwriter, what I have come to realize is that by far the most important thing in any story is your protagonist and mm -hmm. are they a good character 
uh, everything else derives from that. And if you can focus all of it around that character and what they're thinking, feeling, and doing, then everything else falls into line beautifully. So that, and Nancy, of course, was like the greatest character I've ever gotten yeah. to write. And I mean, this, larger than life, amazing human. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's such a, it, that discipline of a screenplay, I think, is, is something that all prose writers could really, really learn from. Mm-hmm. Because you know you're, you've you you have to to work with that lim- more limited number of pages. You can never be self indulgent. You know right. everything has to be, <laughs> yes. you know, serving the purpose all the way through. And that's that's a really good discipline and a really good thing to remember. Just because, you know, you can add extra words and and it's not going to kind of like cost an extra you know million quid a page. Mm-hmm. It, there's a there's a danger as a prose writer that you can you can let yourself go a little bit too much um and keeping that that sort of screen writing discipline that necessary tautness i think is is really important and obviously particularly if you're doing something a, a thriller and particularly when you you want to be as intensely with a character as one does with Nancy. yeah yeah there's there's a i'm, I'm sure it's in uh, prose writing as well but in screenwriting the uh, kill your babies. You, yes. you have to, yeah, you have to be merciless in excising things that do not advance theme or character. Sorry, I was just going to say that I think one of the other thing that's, that's helped from, from my, my TV past is that I'm also, you know, like Darby, I'm, I'm, I'm used to sort of working with other people creatively. Mm-hmm. And so I think that some writer friends of mine who, who find the idea of, of co-writing very challenging, Yes. You know, because they they don't they don't want anybody else to kill their darlings. <laughs> they find it hard enough to kill their own. Whereas, you know, having <laughs> background myself, I'm much more comfortable with saying, right, let, we can try this. And someone's saying, no, that's not going to work. And I'm going, okay, well, what about this? And you know, and throwing those ideas around, I'm 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 quite comfortable with that sort of creative dynamic. And I think that that certainly helps. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, we've never actually talked about this before, yeah. but. Um, as a screenwriter, you get extremely used to people telling you, no. I mean, I, you get notes all the time from, you know, many different sources and, and you have to be open to taking that because, you know, film or television is an extremely collaborative process. Many, many people mm-hmm. are involved at every stage. So um, that's interesting. That's, that Maybe that is why we work so well together. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've figured it out. All right. <laughs> Well, I think that that's a real commonality for most uh, novelists, at least, is is that a, a lot of us have a very serious introverted streak where, you know, I, I heard it explained once that uh, I have a great story to tell you, but I don't want to look you in the eyes while I do it. You know? <laughs> so, you know, we yeah. have this, this singular experience of sitting in an isolated room um, hearing characters in our minds and putting words down on paper where no one sees them for months or years or ever. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally put this little piece of our soul out into the world, um, it's the f- oftentimes the first, second, or third time it's been criticized and maybe not really well. So, I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. yeah, having that very different collaborative background would make a tremendous difference in the quality of the end product because usually, unless you're Stephen King, a team is always better, right? Yes. Yes. If it's a good team, it is yes. always better. Sure. <laughs> Fair yes, enough. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, it has to be obviously people that, that you can trust and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, I'm, it, uh, 
a classic for sort of, you know, I'm uh, in, like spending most of my time on my own talking to my um, imaginary friends in my head. <laughs> but it's, it's right. really nice to break out of that sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And to yeah. see that as a positive, I think, is very important. Yeah, one of the things about, um, you know, working as a screenwriter, working in Hollywood, uh, you have to go pitch every idea that you're ever going to get paid to write, basically. Mm -hmm which I think most writers just despise. It's utterly nerve wracking. I mean, you, you, you basically write down a document and then have to go read it in a performative way, hopefully. So mm -hmm. it's like absolute torture for writers. But I, in a lot of ways it's good because it's, it's the uh, crucible that forces you to make your idea, your pitch as good as possible before you even Absolutely. really set out to write it. And that always can be the danger, I think, with, with um, prose writing. You know, you can fall in love with, a, with a, a character or a scene or a setting and you can follow that character for a while and, you know, lose yourself in the writing before you realise that it's, it's not really getting anywhere. And by that time, it's quite difficult to reverse. So I think some of that, that, that discipline of, of forcing yourself to before you start writing to be able to say in a few sentences what the, the core of this story is would probably save us, save us all a lot of time. <laughs> yes. Flying through the, the pages of liberation and I'm really anxious to see how Nancy Wake's World War II experience ends. And I think the end of that for me is gonna be that I wanna know more about her life and about her as a character which makes me wonder if there's going to be a second installment or a Nancy Wake series to come. Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, right now we're trying to do just liberation as a feature film, depending upon the success of that. There certainly could be because she had a really amazing life in lots of different ways that are not uh, addressed in, at least in the screenplay, somewhat mm -hmm. more so in the book, but um, you know, she was, before the book even begins, she lived, you know, 10 average lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, she was, she ran away from home at what, 16, Imogen, right? Mm -hmm. She ran away from home, ended up in France, was a reporter for Hearst, saw the rise of Nazism and was utterly horrified by it and swore that she would do everything she could to defeat it married an extremely wealthy Frenchman, used his uh, money to finance a resistance network <laughs> in Marseille in Southern France. And all of this is essentially before the script even begins. So yes, she had an incredible life. If it's really successful and somebody wants to make it, I would be more than happy to do it with them. Absolutely. <laughs> Imogen, I'll ask this season's uh, last question first of, of you, and it's gonna be based on, on Nancy Wake. Let's play a little bit of pretend and say that you've found yourself in maybe 1943 France and you've joined a British military unit getting ready to parachute in behind enemy lines as a resistance fighter. And you have the ability to bring along two people with you. They can be fictional. They can be real. Anybody that you want to advance your cause and help defeat the Nazis, which two people are going with you? Blimey, that's quite a responsibility. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, I'd, I'd rather that Nancy went because I'm a terrible coward. And <laughs> it would really be much, much better if you sent Nancy. Um, I think if I was going to uh, try and defeat Nazism, uh, maybe I'd take Alexander the Great. 
<laughs> he knew you know, a thing or two about it, you know. He did indeed. Um, and I think that he was the sort of guy who would adapt to whatever circumstances in the event mm-hmm. pretty well. He, he and Nancy might have butted heads quite a lot, I think. Uh, and then I think I'd want to uh, take somebody to, you know, make sure that we were um, all sort of like uh, properly entertained. So I think maybe Bruce Springsteen as well. <laughs> because I bet he could have come up with some excellent tunes to keep the mucky sort yes. of happy. And I would love to, you know, hear the Bruce Springsteen sort of Mackie folk song sort of um, mash up in the event in the evenings over a bottle of Rough Red. Perfect. Darby, for your last question, this is actually from our, our last season of the show, and it's, it's my personal favorite, but uh, God forbid it should come to pass, but tomorrow you wake up and find that you've been murdered. <laughs> what fictional investigator, assassin, revenge artist, or covert operative would you assign your own homicide? Well, first I'd want it like, was I, did I deserve it? <laughs> it's it's your it's your murder. I mean, you, you, <laughs> if I deserve it, there any way you want. No revenge. Uh, <laughs> it's probably my wife who did it. You know? um, the end it's not. It's no real mystery there. Uh, God. Uh, I mean, man, that's a good question. These are really tough existential questions you're posing here. Uh, I feel like Sherlock Holmes is the obvious one. Um, but uh, yeah, why not? He's got a flair for the dramatic. It would be like a, a fun reveal by the end, how and yes. why I would feel. So we'll go with Sherlock Holmes. Well, I am so grateful for the two of you coming on the show, making time to share your expertise and talk about this, this novel, Liberation, and the real-life hero in Nancy Wake. And I, I think for the folks over time, like Nancy, who've been unfortunately forgotten by a lot of popular history. I think this is an incredible service that you two are actually doing to, to remind us of everyone who had a part in, in advancing our society to its, its, its current uh, progress, if we can call it that. <laughs> Thank you very much. And by the way, just a shameless plug, we just found out we, we premiered and we, uh, the first book came out in Germany and Switzerland. Switzerland, right, Imogen? Indeed, yeah. And we are on the bestseller list in both countries. So, oh, fantastic! Congratulations to you both. I, I'm and not at all surprised. This is it's incredibly well written, and Nancy Wake is an immediately relatable and lovable character. It's, uh, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by her. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank, uh, thank you, you very buddy. much. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. A copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been Imogen Robertson and Darby Keeley, who've co-written a historical thriller under the pen name Imogen Keeley. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.